The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. I'm delighted to welcome to the show today Lydia Smith, who has just completed her magnus opus, her great work, (laughs) (laughs) having walked the El Camino Trail uh, through Spain. She was, uh, well, inspired, I suppose is the right word, to fulfill an aspect of her life that she didn't know she was going to in terms of the magnitude of this journey, which is to create a full-length feature documentary film on walking the Camino. So, Lydia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And congratulations. You've done a phenomenal job. It must have been a scary thought or prospect at some point, but you've done a phenomenal job. Well done. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think terrifying could be a good word. (laughs) Um, And also, when you said inspired, I also feel like, you know, I was kind of compelled or pushed to make this documentary. It definitely was like a inner voice pushing me towards it. I I was pretty reluctant, to tell you the truth. So tell us how how it all began. And for you, I mean, I know you walked the Camino yourself before this uh, came into your uh, knowing, but but tell us how that developed in in the first place of walking the Camino yourself. Well, it was, you know, there's a quote by Joseph Campbell that says, um, we have to be willing to... Uh, get rid of the life we've planned in order to live the life that's waiting for us. And that really is what happened for me. I um, was engaged to be married. I was, I thought I was going to have kids, settle down, and it really wasn't the right fit. And I found myself, this was in the fall of 2007, um, I was in between jobs, relationships, and homes. And to be honest, I felt it, I spent a couple couple months feeling sorry for myself and in the grieving process of, you know, not having this life that I'd planned for myself. And then it really became clear. There was just like this one day it kind of came to my mind out of the blue that I really needed to go walk the Camino. And it was something that I'd always sort of known about since I'd lived in Spain for six years. And, but never before it occurred to me that I should do this. And I became quite obsessed, as many of us do when we, when we get the call to walk the Camino. And I do call it a calling. And those of us that have felt it know it. I mean, it's like this thing that enters in you and you know you're supposed to go walk the Camino. Like, you just know. And for some people, it may take years to finally get there. 
um, for me, luckily, my life was such that within a couple months, I was on the Camino. And then when I was walking, um, there was one man in particular that when he found out I was a filmmaker was like, oh, you need to do a documentary on the Camino. And I was like, oh, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was extremely reluctant um, for a couple of reasons. One was I had independently produced and directed a short documentary years before and swore I would never, ever, ever do it again. It was so hard, especially raising the money. And then the other reason was for me, the Camino was so sacred and so magical I was really scared I couldn't do it justice, that I couldn't do a good job. And so I was like, oh, I don't want to take that one on. Like, that's just way too big, too hard. I'm not going to do it. But after I got home from walking, there was just this little voice that kept at me. And it was, it was relentless. It was like, you need to do a documentary. You need to do – and so finally I was like, okay, fine. I'll do it. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. And – and it was, the voice was totally right. And what's also amazing about it is I really see how it really feels like my whole life was led. I mean, everything that's kind of happened to me in my life led me to having the skills and, and the, um, everything I needed to make this documentary. Um, so it really feels, I mean, it feels hokey to say it, but I really feel like a big reason I'm on this planet and I was born was to make this film. Like this is what I was supposed to do. Uh, so when I said Magnus Opus, that's actually true. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's so funny. People are like, Oh, what's your next project? And, and my answer is always the same, a vacation. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't have, I mean, I'm, I'm a filmmaker, by, by training and by nature, but I also don't have this driving need to make films. Um, it's it, but it was more like here is something this needs to be told and it needs to be told, you know, from the perspective of pilgrims and what the experience means to do this pilgrimage. And, and you've been very successful in doing that in, in the documentary. So Thank just, you. for our listeners that don't know anything about the Camino, just give us the actual sort of physical uh, geography of it. Just, just lead us through the actual Camino itself so people can understand what it is. Well, um, the Camino de Santiago is by rights any road that leads to the city of Santiago de Compostela, which is in northern Spain, essentially just up above Portugal, um, where the remains of St. James are said to be buried. Now, there's many different paths that lead to Santiago, but the most well-known and the well-traveled and famous of all the routes is called the Camino Frances. And that's because um, there's routes that, you know, in the Middle Ages, people were would just leave their doors and walk to Santiago. And so they would kind of converge on on specific routes. And there's four routes that come through France and three out of the four converge on this little tiny town called Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port. And that's because it's the easiest place to cross the Pyrenees. And so the, what's called the Camino Frances or most known as the Camino is a 500 mile route starting from, or 800 kilometers, starting from the border of France and Spain, um, just over the border in France, you cross the Pyrenees and then it's, all the way across um, northern Spain to the city of Santiago de Compostela, which is only 80 kilometers or about 50 miles from the coast. 
and in walking in walking that distance that's a very very long way um obviously you've got to be stopping regularly along the on the route so how does the accommodation work well, um, there's special pilgrim hostels called albergues that are set up all the way along the way. And they range from what are called donativos, so donation um, albergues, which are set up usually by churches, to private hostels, to hotels. I mean, people can, there's a huge range of accommodation where you can stay, but there's a lot of albergues really specifically geared towards the pilgrims. And some of them, there are a real variety. Some of them have kitchens. Some of them are very simple. Sometimes you're sleeping in a room with a hundred people. Sometimes you're sleeping in a room with one person. So um, it's, there's a, a big variety there. And I noticed on the on on your video uh, clip of of the documentary that snoring is a big issue when you're <laughs> sleeping with a lot of people. Yeah, you know, if it had been, I, I jokingly say this. I mean, it's almost true that if it had been completely up to me, we would have had like four more bits about the snoring. <laughs> I um I had that was my own particular challenge on the Camino. I I really did have a challenge with the snoring. I mean, some people. You know, they joke about it, but they can still go to sleep. I, I, I definitely had an issue with it. I mean, and it is. I mean, there's lots of people that snore, and um, you just kind of have to find a way to deal with it. So what was, it, what was the original intention of the uh, Camino in, in the Middle Ages? What, why were people walking it? Um, they, they were doing it essentially for what's called a plenary indulgence, so um, I'm not Catholic, so I always have to preface that because for me to uh, explain that is a little confusing, which it's essentially if you do the pilgrimage if, um, and then you do all these rituals, you do confession and a couple other things when you get to Santiago, essentially it's like you bypass purgatory um, and your sins are forgiven. Um, I think, and, you've, I think you've just walked through purgatory. <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, and I can't, so I can't really speak exactly to all the Catholic uh, parts of it, but that in the Middle Ages, people were definitely motivated by religious reasons and they were doing it primarily um, for penance for their sins or, um, or sometimes, I mean, it was quite extraordinary. The noblemen would actually pay someone to go in their stead and <laughs> that would count. Um, Missing the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, I mean, you know, how great for the person that got to walk. Although I think, you know, we romanticize it. I think it was probably pretty darn tough in the middle ages. Oh, yeah. Um, they also had bandits and people would travel in groups because of, Sometimes the um, robbers would, they'd be accosted along the way and, you know, they never, there weren't guidebooks. I mean, there was one book, the Codex Calistino, um, that came out in the Middle Ages that roughly told you about where to go. And, but there wasn't, you know, oh, you have an albergue coming up in three kilometers kind of thing. But criminals have also been given the option of walking the Camino, haven't they? Which I think is a really interesting concept. And I think is truly um, enlightened. And I know Belgium still does that. Um, and I think there might be a couple other countries that still do that for minor offenders because you really do transform. I mean, you really do shift. I've met literally thousands of people. And I'd say out of, out of all the people I've met that have walked, I've only met one that said that he didn't feel like he was changed. 
Oh, really? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, everybody else, really, it's a profound experience for almost everybody that does it. And so I think you really do have some significant change that happens and would be a great idea um, for criminals. So if, you, so if you don't mind, tell us a bit about the deeper spiritual aspects of your own personal journey before we get into the documentary. Well, you know, the thing about, there's a saying on the Camino that your real Camino starts when you get home. And for me, that's really been the case that for me, my, I don't, I don't really separate the walking part of my Camino from the making of the film and from the tour. It's all part of my Camino. And really for me uh, on a spiritual level, it's really been about me stepping into my potential and really seeing everything I was capable of. Um, it reminds me a lot of that Marianne Williamson quote. I think I was the one about hiding um, and keeping your light small. I think for me, I spent a lot of my life supporting other people's dreams and visions and not validating my own. And also really just kind of hiding a little bit um, from the world and this was really a big step out and saying this is what I think is important and this is what I value and I'm going to stand behind it. So so when you made this this decision to do it, how were you feeling in that moment? When I decided to do it? Um, do, the fil- do the film, yeah. Uh, petrified. <laughs> um, my spiritual, one of my spiritual teachers is Reverend Michael Beckwith and he talked a lot about, you know, the idea of spiritual growth. You know, a lot of times we, it's like leaping off a cliff and trusting that you're going to land. And for me, it was like a five, a five year jump off a cliff and not knowing if everything I was pouring money and my heart and soul into was really going to be worth it. Um, and it, it, it was, I mean, there was just a lot of trust and faith, but I, for me, the spiritual aspect of it was really at its core. I work consistently with a spiritual practitioner and we did a lot of sessions and I really grounded the film with um, a visioning process, which Reverend Michael Beckwith developed, which the idea is really to let, in this case, let the Caminos film come forth. It wasn't about me making my film. It was really about letting the Camino come through me um, and me being sort of just an instrument or a midwife, you could say. Um, and that's really been first and foremost for me. And I've been really clear that my intention with this film is to bring the highest good to the greatest number of people. So however that manifests is what it's supposed to be. But I, I, I've really tried to bring my practitioner training into the film and, and, and have it hopefully inspire and uplift people. Well, it certainly has done that, Lydia, and I'll mention, I'll mention that when we come back. We're going to take our first break now. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment 
in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you, to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Being Outside the Box is your thrival guide to living outside this reality. Are you always waiting for your ship to come in? Do problems happen to you? What if you created your life rather than sitting by waiting? Do you live in the fantasies of this reality? Winning the lottery, waiting for your prince, princess to come, even being healthy? Do you always do what is expected of you rather than choosing for you? What if the rules didn't apply and what if you could thrive from a different space? Join host Lynn Waldrop for tools to being outside the box. Listen Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tan. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. Just a reminder to go to my website, www.petertongue.com, where you have all the information of what we're up to in our spiritual world. And if you are interested in joining us on our Thursday morning live meditations, you can just go to the website, www.petertongue.com, and click on the events page, and there you will find the information necessary to join us on the Thursday morning meditations. I have with me today Lydia Smith, who has... Uh, directed a full-length feature documentary on walking the Camino. And fortunately for me, the documentary came to Victoria, to the Cine Centre at the University of Victoria, a couple of weeks ago. And so I, ha- I had the opportunity to go and, and watch the film. And Jack and Wayne, who are two of the pilgrims who are featured in the documentary, were physically present, which was great. And they answered questions at the end of the uh, of the film. The two, th- the two aspects of it that, that left me feeling wonderful about it. The first was that although I haven't done the Camino, I was able to tune into those people that were doing it and get that sense of what it was like inside the person in doing that Camino journey and then obviously getting a connection as to whether you wanted to do it yourself or not. But but having the opportunity to begin to get a sense of, of what actually takes place, although obviously when you're there, it's much more significant than that. But also I was sitting next to a couple of people who have both done the Camino and you could tell during the uh, documentary that just memories came flooding back, feelings, awarenesses, the challenges, the wonderful moments and you could just feel them reliving the experience. So in that sense, Lydia, it worked really, really well. Oh, I'm so happy to hear you say that because that was really my intention was essentially to bring the Camino experience to people. And I I talk about this when I do Q&As and I do events that to me, if you walk away from the film 110% sure, you're not going to walk it. 
that's just as much of a success to me because yeah. it's really about you being aligned with what you're meant to do. And I don't care what it is. I just, my hope is for you to be aligned with your path. And I have no investment on what your path is, be it walk the Camino or whatever else. Exactly, which, which is wonderful. So uh, tell us a bit about the actual logistics of, of actually making the, the, the movie on, on the Camino with the crew you had and the pilgrims that you chose to follow. Just tell us a bit about that. Well, it was um, it was really challenging. I mean, it was. I've been working in the film industry all my working life, and it was definitely the hardest shoot I've ever been involved with, because we have moving subjects. Um, we had I had gone over to scout in February of two thousand and nine before our shoot in April May of two thousand and nine, and I lined up some hotels that were donating rooms, but a lot of times we didn't know where we were staying where we were going, well, or who we would just follow. We were following about 15 pilgrims, and we had two main camera units, A unit and B unit. And then we had a third sort of roving cameraman, and he did his own sound, and he'd take buses and trains and hitchhike and walk. But the two main units had vans. So essentially we would follow somebody, let's say in the morning, interview them, see them having breakfast or doing whatever, and then um, walk, and then we'd get in the van and we'd go somewhere else um, to find some, another pilgrim. And it was just kind of fraught with, with challenges. And at the same time, there's what we call like the Camino magic, where it always worked out. Like, you know, it we had, I had, we were very low budget and I managed to get a really great crew because I've worked in the industry for a long time. So had a lot of people that were doing favors for me because I was only paying everybody a hundred bucks a day. And most of these people make, you know, upwards of seven, eight, nine hundred dollars a day. Um, and so anyway, we, uh, my idea was to get cell phones for everybody, all the pilgrims so I could get in touch with them. And I lived in Barcelona for six years, so I got all my friends to donate old phones, and we tested them all, and they all were working great, and I handed them out. And then I realized, like, about half of them didn't hold a charge for more than an hour. So it was just <laughs> like, oh, no. So I'd be calling somebody, and they're like, oh, the phone, you know, it died after an hour. And so we just kind of constantly had these challenges. But at the same time, I'd be trying to, like, okay, I'm going to try and follow Misa, but I couldn't get a hold of her. But then Jack and Wayne would, would appear. So it always worked out. And, and how did you actually uh, – you were following about 15, as you say, and, and in the end you focused in on six. Uh, why, why those six in particular became the, the, the main focus? Well, what my original intention for the film was to have it sort of reflect – what it's like when you walk, which is for most of us, when you walk, you have what we call your Camino family, people that you consistently run into, you keep running into. And like any family, you have those that you love and adore and those that you love on a deep level, but you may not want to spend a lot of time with. Got it. <laughs> um, and, and then on the Camino, there's these, for most of us, you have these people that you have these really intense experience with and you only see them once you only walk with them for a day and then they're, then you never see them again. So I wanted to have all these people's kind of sprinkled throughout. And, um, the main six were the Camino family 
And then these other ones were the ones that kind of come through. But it became very clear um, to me, thanks to my editor, really, that one, a four-hour film wasn't really going to make sense. And two, you can follow the stories of 15 people when you're walking a month, but to follow that many or to follow even 10 in 90 minutes was just too much. So we really backed off and we only have Martha that kind of just appears and then disappears. Um, And so we focused on the mains. These were the ones that really had, um, you know, great stories. And they're sort of to a degree archetypes of what you encounter on the Camino. Um, Somebody, Tatiana, representing the very devout Catholic person to Tomas who decided to do the Camino kind of on a whim. And it was between that and going kiteboarding, you know? So, and for him, it was just a physical challenge. It was, there was no deep meaning for him doing it. And then everybody in in between. Um, So for me, but at the same time, I was very, as much as I wanted to have a variety of, uh, nationalities, ages, reasons for doing the Camino, religious, spiritual, and none. I also, for me, I really wanted to let the Camino cast the movie. So it was really about shooting who was presented to me and who we kept running into. Um, everyone that you see in the final film, I met on the Camino except for Annie. Annie was the only one I knew beforehand. And, um, she and I uh, go to the same spiritual center. And um, when she heard I was doing this documentary, she immediately was like, I want to be involved. I want to be connected. And I knew I needed, well, two things, somebody to film the first day, but also somebody that I knew would have the courage to really show what was going on on the inside and not just project a mask of, oh, yeah, everything's fine, and then cry in a corner when the camera's off. So um, so that was really important to me to make sure at least I had one person that could be that open and vulnerable. And Annie's, Annie was an interesting character because, again, we, we knew that she was involved, the only one who'd been involved through Jack and Wayne uh, before the event started. But And, and her first interview uh, she was very light and very funny, actually, naturally funny. And mm-hmm. then about halfway through the documentary, she is really struggling physically, isn't she? And so, yeah. and that again, that came across very, very powerfully uh, of that, you know, that initial excitement and, and fun at the beginning and then just this absolutely deep, deep, well, for her, sadness that she wasn't going to be able to finish. So in those moments, what is it that, that drives you on to continue when you're absolutely physically, desperately empty? What is, it, what is it that enables you to continue from your experience with the people on the Camino? You know, I think for everybody it's different. And there are people, there's about 20% of the people that start off don't finish. I'd say the vast majority leave after a couple of days. They're like, okay, this isn't for me. But there are definitely people that have injuries and can't continue. But there's just a little thing on the inside that really drives you forward um, that I found. And we have, a, we have a bonus DVD where we have a lot of the deleted scenes and we have all these deleted pilgrims. Um, and there's this bit of Annie talking about 
how everything she thought was going to be easy was hard and everything she thought was going to be hard was easy. Um, <laughs> she really, she trained a lot. So she really thought the walking was not going to be an issue. Um, and, but, and she was really nervous about the, um, uh, you know, the privacy issues and modesty and, and, you know, halfway through she's like oh so not an issue i just whip off my shirt and she's joking about how many men she's seen in her uh, in their underwear and um so so one of the one for me one of the uh, most profound moments again was a light was a light-hearted one but it isn't and that was uh people shedding their baggage physically literally and emotionally when they're walking the Camino with these heavy backpacks and just emptying them out and just taking the absolute bare essentials, but also obviously doing that on an inner level as well. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think, quite common. I know I did that. I sent, um, I think, two packages back to Barcelona. So um, I, I think a lot of people end up leaving stuff and realizing they really don't need it. And it is such a metaphor for life, for sure. And I was, it was really, uh, Misa and uh, William struck up a, a romantic relationship in the end, but in the actual uh, documentary, nearer the end of the actual Camino walk, William just had a little side pack on the side, on the side of his hip. I'm not sure what he had in him. That's all he was carrying. <laughs> yeah, what's, what's stunning about uh, William is he, we didn't go very deep into his story because the story was really focused on Misa, but he actually just happened across he just went to St. John to visit somebody. And then he was like, Oh, look at this, a 500 mile walk. I think I'll go. And he, I mean, it was extraordinary. The things he had in his pack, he had like, he had things that nobody else had. He was planning on going to Africa later in the year. So he had a a book, a Swahili learning Swahili book. He had a radio and he had like all these things that, that most people don't have. But he didn't have any of the things that most people do have, so it was it was quite interesting. I, I really enjoyed him as a as a sort of a side character in the show because he, to me, exemplified the archetype of the laid back young Canadian guy who's just free free flowing, just enjoying everything and no has not a not a care in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he definitely was. I mean, it, it was really amazing. It, just his attitude of like, oh. I think I'll do this. Yeah. You know, most yeah. people plan for months and he was like literally one day to the next and he had nothing really. So Lydia, we're coming up to our second break, which we'll take now. It's uh, Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. 
Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Be the change. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. Just a reminder to uh, – oh, sorry. Just, sorry about that. I'm just getting myself confused. just wanted to thank my hosts for this series of shows, Sherry Chase of Chase International Real Estate Company in beautiful Lake Tahoe and Reno, Nevada, and also Brandy Jackson, my executive producer, and Matt, who is our regular engineer for this show, providing the opportunity for me to bring such great guests to you, for you to listen uh, take in and take whatever you want, as as uh, Lydia was mentioning earlier about the Camino, whatever it is for you that you will benefit from, from these uh, wonderful experts that we have on this show. So we have with us today Lydia Smith, and Lydia, having completed the walking of the Camino and then being very strongly encouraged to create this documentary, you re- you returned with the crew and you filmed the uh, the documentary. I, I'm assuming an enormous number of hours of footage which had to be edited down. Uh, and now you're on another huge pilgrimage taking it across <laughs> North America. So tell us all about that. Well, you know, it's been quite a challenge. It, it, it reminds me a lot of, um, of the hero's journey of Joseph Campbell. Um, and I, I bring this up because one of the we, – we sell merchandise or give it away for donations at our um, – at our events, and one of the things we we have is a documentary called Finding Joe, which is about the messages of Joseph Campbell, and and I it really helps me so much because it's been so challenging, and but this documentary talks about the hero's journey, and it's been like that for me, and just remembering there's these incredible challenges and obstacles, but that's really what makes us grow. And then there's these like miracles and people that come and aid you along the way that you're not expecting. And um, so we, um, and what reminds me of this is that in the hero's journey, a lot of time, even before you set out, um, there's a big trial or a big challenge, kind of like the universe saying, are you really sure you want to do this? And for us, um, our very first uh, kind of test drive with the RV and our cross-country tour was going from Portland, Oregon to Seattle, um, which is only about, you know, three hours. And um, that was in on February 7th. And then I was going to start the real tour leaving February 15th and heading south. Well, it snows in Portland maybe two or three days a year. 
And usually it doesn't stick. But of course, that particular weekend, of all the weekends, it was just this huge snowstorm. I couldn't leave with the RV. I tried to go with train and there's like tons of delays. So finally, I'm like, I find a car with snow tires and and it's just like this epic, epic journey. But we made it up to Seattle and then... uh and and it was a really it was actually one of our best screenings um, ever. We sold out a 500 seat auditorium our opening night, which was really fun. Um, and then we started the tour um, and went down California, Arizona, New Mexico, up to Colorado, uh, Kansas, St. Louis, Nashville, Atlanta, um, North Carolina, D.C., and now we're um, about to do New York. Um, we're opening in New York uh, this coming Friday, June 6th, at the Quad Cinema. And you have a, you have a, sh- a showing tonight, too. Yes. Tonight, we're um, screening in Stamford, Connecticut, which is a um, kind of a bedroom community of New York, about an hour outside of New York. Okay. And, of course, uh, you did pop up into Canada with the show uh, to, to Victoria, B.C., and uh, had some uh, great showings there, too. Yeah, um, luckily Jack and Wayne are just so great and they were able to represent the film. Um, so they do that and Annie does as well. So there's really kind of four of us that uh, represent the film and sometimes Annie's done some Skype uh, showings. And then the film is also shown in quite a few theaters without any of us going. Um, but the tour itself, we try and um, really focus on areas where there's lots of pilgrims and a good pilgrim community. Now, you, you had a, a crunch point uh, around funding and financing to actually finish the documentary. Tell us about what happened there. Oh, that's, that's kind of almost an understatement. Um, <laughs> I, I had raised enough money um, to do the shoot, and it was a super bare-bones shoot. And actually, I did run out of, I did run out of money, and I, I put in some of my own life savings. Not a ton, but uh, enough for us to finish the shoot. And I came back and I, my original thought was, okay, you know, foundations, um, tour, Spanish tourism, there's an organization that literally is just to promote the Camino and there's the Catholic media campaign. And I was like, oh, there's all these. I'm sure I'll, you know, be able to. It might not be easy, but I'll be able to. And after about a year and a half, we were shut down by everyone except for um, American Pilgrims, which is a organization dedicated to um, promoting the Camino and helping Americans um, get ready for it. And we got two small grants from them, but everyone else, corporations, you know, for one reason or another, we were turned down. And I was really in some serious despair of like, I have 300 hours of footage. I've dedicated two years of my life to this. I can't give up. And it was really an extraordinary thing. It was a friend of mine from high school that said, Lydia, you know, why don't you tap our our class? We have some really successful and wealthy classmates that I'm sure would want to support you. And, and, And that kind of kicked off. We started doing fundraisers, and I started essentially asking everybody I ever knew for money. And, um, and my high school classmates were a huge support. Um, four out of five of my executive producers, people that gave more than $10,000 came from my high school. And, um, 
one of them was really um, amazing. My, I went to high school with Dan Brown, who wrote The Da Vinci Code. And even though we hadn't had much interaction over the years, um, he immediately made a small donation. And then he made a very large donation at the very end. Um, if it wasn't for Dan, we might still be fundraising today. Right. Um, but he essentially paid for the online, the color correction, the music, um, all the really super expensive parts of the film, um, making it, you know, broadcast quality. Um, he and his wife donated. So I'm extremely grateful um, to him and to um, over 40 of my um, classmates that donated to make the film. And then there's about seven of us that have been working on the film. So, And you got support from Pilgrims as well? Yes, definitely. Um, the, I, there was a, a much greater number of Pilgrims that donated, uh, but lesser amounts. Oh, sure, um, yeah. And, yeah. and that's understandable. I did get um, a couple of, I think, two $1,000 donations from people I'd never met before. And there was another woman from Korea who sent over 500 bucks. Um, so there was definitely a handful of those, but the vast majority of pilgrims were in the $25 to a hundred dollars, but that definitely added up, um, for sure. So, so it was literally so, thousands of people that donated to make this film. So it, it sounds or feels like to me that that moment when you didn't have the funding to continue was a bit of a dark night of the soul for you. Oh, absolutely. And the reason I mention that is for our listeners to understand the Dark Knight of the Soul because it's often misunderstood because when you have your Dark Knight of the Soul, you're actually a long way on the journey to fruition, but you come against this major obstacle, which you said before, Lydia, it's it's the final uh, question. Are you really, really, really committed to this? And it's letting go of everything and your heart, you say, yes, I am, and then, then it shifts and you get to the you get to the philosopher's stone. You get to the gold relatively quickly after you've passed through the dark night, which obviously is what happened to you. Yeah, and I want to stress. Um, I mean, I feel very blessed. I had a great spiritual practitioner that I worked very closely with to help me with this, because I think to try and navigate some of these waters on your own without some spiritual guidance can be really challenging. I mean, it's challenging enough without that. And I think for me, one of my realizations and one of the, the, the key components where I was able to slip out of the dark night of the soul was the realization that I had a belief that if you're on course and you're on your path, it should be easy. And I realized that was just a belief. And once I kind of go, okay, that maybe that isn't so, then things actually started to get easier. Now, one of the things we should just mention, because we haven't done so yet, is uh, Compostela, actually, where the cathedral is, is not the actual end of the trail. There's a little bit further to go to the coast. And I know from from my reading many years ago that there has been a, a connection made between the Camino and the Milky Way galaxy. And, and it's like you're walking this east-west line as the stars, the Milky Way, are reflecting above you and you walk the Camino. And the actual coast, which is a place called Finisterre, um, which you actually featured in the documentary, is the end of the known world. So you're, the next step off is into this other unknown realm in which we, we begin to enjoy ourselves even more. 
Yeah. There's actually another town as well. What a lot of people are doing these days are walking from Santiago to Muxia, which is on the coast, and then going from Muxia to Finisterre. And that's an extraordinarily beautiful and great journey. And how much further is that from Compostela? Um, it's about 80 kilometers. So having walked uh, 800 kilometers, you, yeah. uh, there's another tenth to go again. How, yeah. What sort of percentage of people do that? Do you have a sense of that? Um, you know, this is kind of a shot in the dark, but I think I heard this or read this. Only about a quarter. Yeah, um, sure. And, and I would highly recommend it. Um, and it's also, it's a great way to, to start making the transition back to life. Because when you think about it in the middle ages, people walked there and then they walked back and walking back gave you the time you'd start letting go of people. You know, even if you walk back with some of the people you walked with, you start going your separate ways and you have the time to process and to really reintegrate back into your life. Nowadays, we jump on planes and boom, we're back in our lives. And it's, it's, it can be a pretty rough transition. And I think sometimes going to Finisterre and Mushia, it's, uh, it eases that transition. Um, I know I ran out of, I ran out of um, time myself, but I, I, really w- I really wish I had. And I have since gone back and done that as a fundraising tour. Um, but it's a really beautiful and great, great walk. And I think uh, there's something symbolic about reaching the ocean as well. Oh, undoubtedly. And you're, you're beginning the processing and integrating of the, of the original experience for sure. We'll take yeah. our final break now, Lydia. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. 
If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. I have with me today Lydia Smith, who has directed and created a wonderful full-length feature film documentary about walking the Camino. So Lydia, just let our listeners know how they can connect and check out uh, the different venues where the film is being shown. Well, um, on our website, which is CaminoDocumentary.org, we have a listing of uh, where we are, where we're playing, and where we're coming um, but we also have an opportunity. We are we partnered with an organization called Tug, so essentially we can do theatrical on demand um, anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. So it's pretty easy to follow on our website. It just says "Bring the film to you," and then it's a step by step process. Um, also, our Facebook, which is the Camino Documentary, has an events page, and that lists everywhere where we're going. Um, right now we're on the East Coast and just heading from Connecticut, New York, um, Rhode Island, Maine, Boston, Burlington, Vermont. Uh, just added a couple new cities. Um, looks like Amherst, Mass, and um, Norwalk um, as well. So it's, it, but we're constantly adding uh, new screenings. So definitely. Um, the website and the Facebook page. And you can also sign up for email updates. Um, so we let people know where we're going to be next. Um, we don't send out a ton of updates every, uh, every couple of weeks usually. And how is it uh, being received generally? Oh, really great. I mean, especially people that have walked. Um, I think most people really resonate with it and really appreciate it. And one of my other intentions with making the film was to be able to have something for pilgrims. So when they come home and people say, what was it like? How was it? You can say, here, look at this. Because it's such a hard thing to describe to people that haven't walked, to tell them kind of all these amazing things that happen. Um, So I'm really, really pleased that people um, feel like it does show them. And I think a lot of us that have walked identify with a lot of the different walkers in different ways. So I'm just going to quote you now, Lydia, uh, from the website, and and this is something that you say about the Camino. The Camino provides a structure with no agenda where one can develop themselves from the inside out, walking for miles with only nature and their thoughts for company. Pilgrims are forced to step out of their comfort zones, look inward and examine their fears insecurities and prejudices towards others and I thought that was a a wonderful uh, way of expressing the journey so let's talk a bit about the human aspect the human condition that arises and and what you experienced both on your own journey and and in making the film yeah I think that one of the one of my favorite scenes um, in the film is when Sam meets this man that she runs out of toothpaste and he insists that she brush her teeth like he does. <laughs> and it's just, it's just such a great metaphor of, I think how often in life 
we want everybody to do things our way, or we think there's only one way to do things. And I think the Camino is such a great um, example where we can, if we open our eyes and our hearts to really see, you know what, to each his own, that really the best way to do whatever it is, is the way that works for you. Um, there's a man um, that leads these hospitalero trainings and also does um, wilderness medicine. And there's always a big debate about how to treat blisters. And his, his whole approach, which is the same thing, is the best way to, te- to treat your blisters is the way that works for you. Like there's not one right way to do anything, really. There was a, a great little cameo scene uh, with Annie again who, who was really struggling at this point and, and one of the guys just took her backpack and carried it for her for I guess that the rest of the journey that day and she was just really overwhelmed by that generosity that was shown to her by someone she didn't, hadn't met at all before. Yeah, I mean that's I think definitely something that happens on the Camino is there's such incredible kindness and one of the things that is extraordinary to me is these hospitaleros, people that um, some some albergues are run by employees, some are run, you know, people open private ones, but there's a quite a few of them that are run by volunteers. So these are people that volunteer for two weeks to cook, to clean, to help you, and they're completely volunteers, and they will do extraordinary kindness. And you will never get the chance, essentially, to pay them back. And it's really quite an extraordinary thing to open yourself up to receive. So I think there's a big cycle of giving and receiving that happens on the Camino. And many of us learn how to to receive, which I think we're not really taught. And I know, for me, that was a big lesson with having to raise the money from individuals and having people give me money and me needing to ask for help. Um, it was really a big journey of learning how to receive. Um, and then for me, too, I've been working for free for the last five years. I've been giving everything to this film and really in hopes that it's going to make a difference in people's lives. And so uh, we've only got a couple of minutes left, Lydia. So in terms of uh, the biggest intention that you had in making the film and where it has taken you, just talk a bit about that intention and what you feel has actually been achieved through it uh, in all humility. <laughs> well, you know, my, my, my greatest intention was the highest good for the greatest number of people. And um, so, however, um, I never really know, but I do get, I get an extraordinary amount of feedback of people that are moved. And sometimes, you know, there's all these hassles with the tour and, you know, issues with the RV and parking and driving and, and, and then issues back in Portland. And there's times that people come out of the film just sobbing and really just said how much it moved them and how much it inspired them. And that's when I realized it's worth it. It's worth it. You know, all the, the challenges I go through, it really does mean something to people. And, and I, I, I think I'll never really know, but I think in my heart I know that it is bringing good into the world. And I, I, I certainly hope, too, that, that, that people after seeing the film, if they decide to do the Camino, that they will do it with reverence, that they'll do it 
to be the best pilgrims they, they can be, to show kindness and generosity wherever they have the opportunity. Um, there's been some talk about this year, there's a lot, a big increase in pilgrims and some pilgrims that are going over with a, some entitlement and and not necessarily the most gracious. And I just um, really hope that people, when they see the film, they'll be inspired to be their best selves when when they do the Camino in, in any day. Thank you. That's a, a wonderful way to finish. And we sadly have come to the end of our time here. And, and I strongly uh, recommend people uh, going on this uh, journey to th- watch the film <laughs> at least. And you may, I think, I think at the end you'll know whether you really are uh, supposed to go on the journey or not. So Lydia, thank you so much and congratulations. You've done a wonderful job and I hope things continue to build and go well for you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's show. My guest next week is Glinda Lee Hoffman, and she has written a book called The Genesis Code, Your Key to Unlocking Hidden Genius. Have a wonderful week. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tong for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.